Hey there and welcome to Fill Me Up, I'm Steve Walker and this is the show to help fuel your filmic discussions, such as, are people done with the MCU now? So, obviously, most people won't be, but general public might actually decide this is a good jumping off point, The a lot of the main character arcs of heroes that you've come to know over the past decade are wrapped up. And, yeah, the MCU, as you know it, is kind of finished, in a way. So, especially in this sort of day and age with lots of events, lots of events, lots of uh, entertainment, um, there's so much out there, and the MCU films are a big commitment, and especially towards the end of this sort of saga, um, if you didn't, hadn't watched them all, then it could get quite hard to follow, and it's a big commitment, and lots of people might not want to carry on with that. Um, I'd say there's obviously not, and to be fair, I'd say um, there's no real major teasers of where to go. Um, there are obvious, there are teasers in there. Um, if you don't want any spoilers for Endgame, shut your ears now for the next ten seconds. Because um, you've got Valkyrie leading New Asgard, um, Thor joining the Guardians of the Galaxy, Falcon becoming Captain America. Um, you can open your ears now. Um, but apart from those sort of threads, there's not an awful lot um, to sort of latch onto. And some new events are going to have to kind of unfold and new characters introduced. So. If I wasn't that bothered about the MCU, it would be completely understandable for you to uh, just just call it a day. It's been 10 years, it's been 22 films. That is enough if for some people, I guess. So I imagine like these films are massive. People aren't, for the most part, going to stop watching them. But it is completely understandable if you do. It could be one of those things where you just decide, oh, that's finished for a bit. Oh, I'm going to go on to this other thing. And you just never come back to it, um, which is totally fine. I'm definitely going to carry on watching them. And I know a lot of people, and a lot of people I know will. But for the casual film goer, maybe, maybe they're done with the MCU. Um, I don't think it'll hurt it. I don't think it'll slow down. I don't think it's the start of the comic book bubble or anything like that. But uh, yeah. I, it's just a thing, just a, just a thought, um, yeah, so the past couple of weeks I've ended up going quite long, um, this is still early days, and so I'm still learning, I'm gonna try and compress stuff down, because people don't want to hear me rambling on for an hour, so I'm gonna try and compress things down, try not to include so much stuff, um, but I just like talking films, just like it, so, um, yeah, speaking of, I was going to say speaking of films, that's the whole thing. Um, yeah, I went to the cinema this week, as always, and saw a film called Longshot, which uh, I hadn't really known much about beforehand. I'd seen like a poster or two, maybe, or a trailer, like an ad on YouTube or something. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really know much about it, but it had Seth, it's got Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron in it, and it's just, it's a really good heartwarming comedy um 
it's kind of a rom-com, but there's definitely less rom than com. It's definitely more com than rom. So, um, which is good. I mean, it appeals to more people. Like, if it was just a generic rom-com, then I probably wouldn't have gone to see it. But, yeah, it's a comedy, and it's legitimately funny, and it's got a lot of stuff in it. It can be sentimental, but it's not too pandering. Um, yeah, the second half is where it sort of kicks it the the rom comes into gear but it's not like uh it's not too much it's not over the top it's it's fine um and the chemistry is great together from Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen they're really good together um trailers wise if you're gonna go and watch it's not really a you can't really spoil this sort of film like you know the sort of way that it's gonna go so uh fair you can watch the trailers the only thing you'll sort of miss out on is some of the gags and like some of the major story beats are in the trailers, but like I say, it's they're, they're sort of spoiler-proof films, these sort of, this this genre. So, um, yeah, I, I think the second one, because I think there's three trailers, and the second one I watched seemed to have a lot, it played up the romance more, which it's not, a, it is in the film, and it is kind of an element, but it's not like the element, which it seemed to suggest. But um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily have to see it in the cinema, but because uh, it's, it's not, it's not like a blockbuster. It's no great spectacle, but I definitely recommend seeing it at some point. Um, yeah, it's a lot of good fun. So the main thing that I wanted to talk about this week is, as you'll guess from the title, is the girl with the dragon tattoo, and the subsequent films based on said novel. Um, so yeah, well, I'll basically, this is part of the An Other Time series. So this is An Other Time in History that is an alternate take on film history. So what would have happened if such and such happened? So this week we're looking at the Girl with Dragon Tattoo films, um, both the Swedish one and the US version. And um thinking what would have happened if the US one had come out before the Swedish version, so if they'd have come out uh, in opposing opposing years, is that the right word, opposing? I don't know. In the other years that they came out in. So, bit of backstory on these films and stuff. Um, they're based, both, both uh, versions are based on the first book in the Millennium Trilogy, um, written by Swedish writer Stieg Larsson, who is no longer with us. But these are they, those were books that came out in 2005, I think it was. And I've not read them, but lots... They were sort of everywhere, and like everybody knew what they were. They kind of took the world by storm a little bit. And, yeah, and so obviously uh, some films were made. So because they're Swedish books, essentially... Um, they were made into a trilogy of Swedish films. The first one being The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. The second one being... Uh, which was released in theatres. Um, it had a limited release in sort of America and worldwide, I guess. Um, and then, But it was that one was really successful. So they decided the second and third film in the trilogy, which was initially going to be made just for TV, they actually... Uh, release those in cinemas too um and so the weird thing about this this trilogy is that they because i i was aware of them and at the time and 
but I was aware that they almost seem to come out at the same time, which isn't actual. Which having researched this isn't actually that false. So the first one came out in like February of two thousand nine, I think it was, and then the second and third one then came out. Um, so the second one is the girl who played with fire, and the third one is the girl who kicked the hornet's nest, and those came out in. I think it was October, November of 2009 as well. So within a year, you had this trilogy come out. And two of them came out within like a month and a half of each other. Uh, which is crazy. So they did really well. And in fact, they did... It, they got... A, strangely, they got a release um, in France as a TV miniseries. So they'd made a an extended cut of each of them that came to like three hours long so i think the original film was like two uh two and a half hours long uh the first one and they they subsequent films must have been similar length and then they extend them all out to about three hours cut them into 90 minute chunks and had that as a mini tv mini series on in france which went down a storm so that came out those came out in 2009 and then in 2011 um there is an american version made by david fincher and it is great it stars daniel craig and rooney mara and this was the first kind of what this was the first my first in into this franchise um it's the first film that i watched i didn't watch the swedish ones um but i was aware of them i was aware it was kind of it was all around everybody knew what they were and what the films were what the books were um and so when the film came out the american version um people people liked it critics really liked it especially um and it made it made money at the box office as well um there was a trilogy planned um they had planned to do the second and third book in the trilogy but you have that old thing of hollywood of script rights and uh scheduling conflicts and all this sort of stuff because Daniel Craig would have been doing Bond at the time Rooney Mara doing all sorts of stuff um so yeah they did actually end up making a second film in that series though um it was announced in 2015 um and it actually came out in 2018 so that would be last year um but it had a new director um, and it had a whole new casting. So Rooney Mara, who played the titular girl with the dragon tattoo, was replaced by Claire Foy, um, who did a great job as well. They both did great jobs in those role in that role. Um, but that film was based on not one of the trilogy, um, as you would think, but it was actually based on a fourth book called The Girl Who The Girl in the Spider's West. Spider's West, The Girl in the Spider's Web. And that book was written by David, I've got that written down here, David Lagerkrantz, Lagerkrantz. Um, so, yeah, because uh, Steve Larson had died at that point. Um, and a fourth book was, been, was commissioned, I guess. So they, um, this guy wrote it, and they've made, the second film that they made, they... Um, based on that book so it weirdly enough it is supposed to be a a sequel though to the girl with the dragon tattoo that came out in 2011 so 
but it had new cast, new director. It was based on a book written by a different author, so almost outside of the series. It's very strange, but it, whatever. Um, yeah, so interestingly enough, I looked at some of the stats and figures and stuff on these films. I found them quite interesting. So um, the budget in the box office of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo films um, was... Because that's the ones that we're looking at, really, because... You can't really compare the other ones. So, the Swedish one uh, was made for thirteen million and made one hundred and four million, which sounds like it made a lot of money, which it did. Um, now, when you do box office maths, um, the actual budget that is quoted is the production budget, but when you have to do the net kind of profit. Um, you take into account the marketing budget, which is usually about the same as the production budget. So as a rule of thumb, you do the production budget times that by two, and then that's your full budget. So for and so the net profit would be, for the Swedish version, it'd be 104 million um, minus 26 million um, for the whole budget, 13 million production, 13 million marketing. Um, so actually, so it made seventy eight million, which is a good little chunk of money that is, um, especially for thirty million dollar production budget. So, yeah. Meanwhile, the U.S. version uh, had a production budget of ninety million, which is a lot more. Um, but it also made two hundred thirty three million dollars at the box office, um, which isn't quite as good. Um, that's still really good, um, but it's not quite as the the profit isn't quite as good. So when you look, break it down. And so like on the face of it, you'd look at it and go, oh, it's made like 140 million. But actually, uh, because of the production, the money, the money, bloody hell, uh, because of the marketing budget, um, once you take that into account, that's 180 million all told. So in actual fact, it only made 53 million dollars at the box office, which is, or profit which is less than the Swedish version, surprisingly enough. Um, looking at domestic profit, um, just gross profit, um, which is quite interesting. So it made 10 million, the Swedish version made 10 million, which is um, not an awful lot, um, but that's understandable. It's a Swedish version. It was limited release. Um, and the US version made 102 million. Um, so yeah, so Counted for more of it, but um, yeah, which I thought was interesting. Um, but the big thing that I think would change if you switched, or the biggest thing that made me think about this was because I really liked the American version, the 2011 version, the one I watched. Um, it's, it's a style of film that you don't really, well, I was gonna say you don't really get that much, but it's just, I guess it's kind of true. Um, it was it was quite fresh and it was. Yeah, it was just nice to see some, like a darker, like detective-y, investigative sort of thing. Um, yeah, it was just an interesting sort of thing that you don't really get too much, um, I would say. Um, you get your usual sort of blockbuster fare that tries to appeal to everyone, whereas this was quite dark, it, quite adult, quite mature. So, yeah, it was something different, it's something that... I, like I wanted to see and I definitely wanted to see more of um, 
And so when the when they eventually made the second one, I was a bit disappointed. It's kind of generic action thriller. There wasn't really much. The first one didn't have a lot of action in it, whereas the second one was just guns and stuff. There was not as much of the investigative side, which is the big hook for me. So, yeah. So that yeah. Um, but the main reason why I feel that it would be best, well, let me let me rein it in a little bit. So if you made the American version first, what I feel you would be doing is you would be capturing that zeitgeist earlier. So the big thing about, because the books were really popular when they came out, everybody knew what they were, even if you hadn't read, well, you knew of them, you knew there was hype around it. Um, you might not know like the plot or anything, but you knew of them. And so... But it took them six years to make a US film. And we live in a sort of world where people move on from things very quickly, especially in the entertainment world. Like you'd move from one thing to the next and there's always something else. So if you don't capture that that zeitgeist, if you don't take that and you build, make something of that quickly, then it's going to go. And so... Like, you look at the box office numbers for the two films, the Swedish version made 104 million, and then the US version made 233. So it made twice as much at the box office gross. But imagine the tar- like the target audience and the, like the amount of people that could have gone to see that. It's huge. Way more than, like, a Swedish version. Obviously, people are fine seeing, like, foreign films and watching films with subs on. I'm not a huge fan of that myself, but I'm not against it. It's just, and I'm not like I don't. I'm not petty or anything. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm I'm going to the film to watch a film, not to read text. Like I like, there's subtitles in all sorts of films. Like I, I get it. I'm not uh, against subtitles at all. I just find it easier to connect and to immerse myself in a world if I can understand the language. Basically, it's all it is, and. So, when it comes to making the U.S. film, um, they made they made it six years after, and they made it after the Swedish film. So people knew, like I said, I knew of the Swedish films, I knew of the books, and so when people hear though that sort of title, they hear the girl with dragon tattoo, they just associate it with the Swedish thing, and either they've already seen it because they're hardcore fans, or they've lost interest in it. Because they were like, oh, they made a film. It was in Swedish. I'm not bothered. And then you just don't think about it anymore. So, also, people may have gone, oh, yeah, they're making a Go with Dragon Tattoo film. The people would just be like, oh, I thought they already made that. And then they just assume you're talking about that. And they're just completely oblivious to the fact there was a US remake. So, yeah, like I say, the hardcore fans definitely would have seen the Swedish versions first because that, those. Because they're Swedish books, so a Swedish film will probably give a truer version of that. Even for a lower budget, you'd argue that if a Swedish film is made, if a Swedish book is made into a Swedish film by a Swedish writer and Swedish director and Swedish actor, it's gonna be truer to the source than American remake. Especially because American remakes tend to try and make things bigger or. They, they change stuff slightly just to get across a different tone or something. Um, so, yeah. 
And so the US version, people aren't just people aren't bothered about that anymore. But if you make the US version first, it means you get both the casual fans who are aware of what this who are aware of the book series maybe haven't read it or and you get the people who have read it on our hardcore fans and want to see this made you get both of those at the same time it become then becomes this it's then way more popular you've made it while you've struck while the iron's hot you've made it while it's popular then stays in people's minds people are talking about films people are thinking about the film and people then want more more films they want their sequels to get made and so the sequels then can be pushed through the studios because the reason why i mean people everyone knows this like it's a, at the end of the day entertainment and films are a business and so the reason why certain films are made or they're put in development hell like sequels and stuff don't get made is because they're just not a high priority they higher ups in the companies don't feel like they're gonna make money people and that people are gonna go and see them and they look at for hard cold stats they look at box office they look at budgets and they look at things like that so when they talk about script rewrites and scheduling and stuff these are all problems that you can work around if you prioritize it enough so if you want this film to get made you will work around that to get this film made so if the first one is successful people go and see it people like it people want more of it then the production companies are going to prioritize making sequels so they because they become a high priority so you get more money for the cast people you entice them back you work out the sh any scheduling conflicts if there is any you get the script writers in you get people to work on this stuff and you get it you get them made and you get them out there for people to see so then if you made so that's so the US version would then come out in 2009 which means that the Swedish version will come out in 2011 and I don't think that would do too badly still because people who are going to see that are the hardcore fans who want that Swedish version who want that authentic take that's closest to the books um they're going to see it still people who may have missed the US version may get like be, one thing that production companies in hollywood wants you to do they like to trick people to see their films so they will that's a lot of what trailers are they market them and marketing they put they put a certain spin on it to make just to get bums on seats just to get people buying tickets so people may have missed the u.s version but let's say a the swedish version comes out in the cinema two years later People go, oh, I missed that film. Oh, they re-released it. And they may just go and see the Swedish version anyway. You also may get people who were casual fans who haven't read the books but have then seen the American film and they go, oh, they're making a Swedish, there's a Swedish version. Oh, and then they're now interested in seeing what the Swedish version's like. They also, presuming that you have announced the sequel before this, it will get people, we will refresh people's memory of the original of the previous film as well and yeah i think it'd just be an interesting way of sort of moving forward and marketing this sort of thing you stagger the releases you have a u.s release and then you have a swedish version that's now a low that's a low budget version that's probably truer to the books and that yeah it's just a, it's a it'll have a different take to it but it'll be essentially the same story and then maybe two years later you'd have 
the US version of the second film and then you just sort of stagger them like that. I think that would be an interesting experiment just to see how people would take it, see what people would want, um, see whether... I don't know. It'd be an interesting thing. I don't... Me, personally, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change my mind. I wouldn't see the Swedish versions. I'd be happy just to see the American versions. But, um, yeah, and that... But also, like, you could take all this money from the Swedish version. You could put that back in. Obviously, you put that back into making sequels of the Swedish versions. But you can take... Like, these are basically the same franchise. But And I would say you any profits that are made, you could feed into either one. Um, so, like, you could feed the profits from the, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Swedish version into the girl who played with fire US version. And then any money made from that you could feed into the girl who played with Fly Swedish version and so on. So I feel like that's a, it would be an interesting way of making films. Um, it's sort of like almost what like Star Wars have tried to do with the anthology films and things, but it's, yeah, it's a slightly different take. Um, I don't think you get many people necessarily watching all of them, but, if you're making Swedish versions and you're making these more authentic versions, you're not going to be too bothered about it. Um, you're going to be just wanting to make a true-to-life version of the books, really. Um, you could put in... I assume that like the American versions wouldn't have certain scenes in there. So you could put those... You could film those and put those in. Like The US version is definitely not two and a half hours long. Definitely not three hours long. So you could definitely there is more material in there that is you could explore in the Swedish version. So yeah, no, I think it'd be really interesting, but um, yeah, let me know what you think. And on the topic of book series that are made into films and they're actually, and have been made into films more than once. Um, I have a question for you. Um, hypothetically speaking, what book series would you want to get remade? So these are, this is a book series that has already been adapted into a film or a TV series or whatever, but it's not quite struck the chord with you that you'd like and you, you'd like, or you, or did, and you were just like, actually, I want to see someone else's take on this now. Like, maybe it came out in the 80s or the 90s and CG wasn't as good, and you're like, actually, I want to see what it looks like with today's CG. So, um, yeah, an example of one that's um, had that or is going to have that um, is the His Dark Materials series written by Philip Pullman. Um, it starts with Northern Lights or um, the God, or uh, well, Northern Lights, which is the first book in the trilogy, was made into a film um, called The Golden Compass, which I don't know if that's the title in America of the book in America, or I don't know. But um, yeah, so that was made in, it was made in the mid-2000s and People didn't like it. I think there was a bit of hoo-ha about depiction of almost Catholic faith or and things like this. But um, yeah, but there is becoming a TV series that will come out sometime this year or next year. I don't know. It's on BBC. I think it's HBO produced or something. I don't know. All the ins and outs of it. Um, but yeah, but that's an example of something that's sort of been adapted and then getting readapted again. Um, personally, the one that I would want to be readapted is Mortal Engines. So I know it's very recent. It's a film that came out at the end of last year, around Christmas time, and 
it's not a bad film, but it's not a great film. And it's it's quite generic. Like it it's come out in a time after the young adult sort of phase of films. Your Hunger Games and your Maze Runners and your Twilights and things like that. People aren't interested in those anymore. Um, like the people that read them are now older, want more sophisticated storytelling. And honestly, I don't think kids these days are reading that many books. Um, but yeah, it's it's not like I say, it's not bad. It's not great though. It's and it's quite generic. It's very it follows that young adult thing of it was almost like a film from the mid two thousands essentially. Um. And it probably should have been made in the mid two thousands because obviously people that are that liked those books when they were younger, people my age now, um, are older and don't want to see a young adult film. They want to see like something that's got a bit more grit to it, something that's got a bit more, just a bit more to it, um, in general. So, yeah, that would be mine. Um, I'd ideally I'd say maybe maybe make it on a lower budget, um, because then it rather than having these wide expansive shots of desolate wastelands and stuff that are rendered in cgi and it just looks a bit bland and generic if you had a lower budget it forces people to get creative with it and it forces you to then probably focus more on the characters and on the personal side of it which i think is better um i think it works better than having a this big large spectacle um don't get me wrong blockbusters and large spectacle and stuff is great and works well but I would say, like, it almost feels like it needs, like, a Blade Runner sort of budget. Because um, you can still do a lot of world building with a small budget. And so, yeah, that would be mine. Um, let me know what yours is. And, yeah, let me know what your thoughts are on uh, any other book series on the Girl with the Dragon Tattoos the Millennium Trilogy, all this sort of thing, and on Longshot. And next week, um, we're going to be looking at another duology. So we looked at the Tron series last time. Um, but this time we're going to look at 28 Days Later slash 28 Weeks Later. Um, so those are zombie films made by Danny Boyle and with fast zombies in it. I think they sort of revolutionized the zombies because people were just... I think it was like, I, I don't know exactly. I'll have to look this up, but I think it's the first time they had fast zombies in something. So, yeah, um, I haven't seen them. I've been wanting to see them for ages. Um, so I'm going to. And hopefully you will too, um, or you've already seen them. And, uh, yeah, we can talk about them. Uh, we'll go into deep, we'll do a deep dive on them um, and see what, what works, what doesn't, if they're any good. And yeah, um, if you want to get in touch, you can do at various places at uh, by email. You can get in touch at fillmeuppod at outlook.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at fillmeup, facebook.com slash fillmeup. Um, you can, yeah, just give us a like on there and there'll be posts and stuff. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at all out walker and yeah i think that's about it um yeah you can find this podcast on wherever you listen to it now um but it's on youtube um it's on podbean it's on what else is on it's on Castbox, and it's on itunes 
the big one, the big, big one. So, yeah, um, thanks for listening, and hope you enjoyed this shorter episode. Um, this is what we're aiming for, really. So, yeah, next week, duology. Next week, zombies. Good stuff. Thanks for listening once again, and I'll see you later. Bye.